0: all right hello welcome to the cosmic eye show i'm your host jason napolitano and i have on the line mr chris sheridan how you doing i'm doing terrific today it's a uh sunday Nice sunny sunday it is today. a sunny sunday dude. i just had a hot rod go by i don't know if anyone could hear that but there was like a drag race out in front of our place so that's always nice and why not And why not on this sunny Sunday? (laughs) What else are you going to do? Exactly, exactly. I'm surprised there's not more of them. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about the Hermetic Marriage. We're mainly drawing from uh, Manly Hall's uh, work. It's a pamphlet entitled The Hermetic Marriage Being a Study in the Philosophy of the Thrice Greatest Hermes. And this is one of Manly Hall's books, originally from 1925. Is that correct? It is. Yes. All right. So actually
1: it's copyrighted the original one was copyrighted uh, March 10th 1925 which is exactly 95 years ago today.
0: Oh wow. There you go. I didn't even uh, make that connection. I had no that's idea. that's yeah, very I auspicious. Living and there it was. So and all right. I, I see that now as well. <laughs> okay. So that that's a nod from Manly Hall and uh and the thrice greatest Hermes that we're moving in the right direction with this show today. Uh, so I'm excited about this one. Thank you for joining us on the cosmic eye show. I want to thank everyone who's supporting the show. We have some, some new supporters that have come online recently, and I want to especially thank you guys. Uh, plus our, our, our old supporters that are still supporting us. Thank you guys so much for your generous donations towards the show. We really appreciate you and, uh, anyone else who would like to support the show, we're at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye if you want to make a donation through there. Chris has a book called, if you can, excuse me, Chris has a book called The Spirit in the Sky. And I have a book called If You Can worry You Can Meditate. And you can find those on our respective websites, uh, chrissheridan.com or at cosmiceye.org. And you can click through to Amazon to purchase those. Uh, so please uh, support us by buying our books as well. Thanks for joining us again today. Uh, hermetic marriage. We're just going to jump right into it. It's a pretty big topic um, there's way too much in this, in this book to cover as there is in every Manly Hall book, but this, uh, really is, is, is great. Cause we can look at the first two chapters and we can really get a good overview of some of these ideas. And of course, it's not necessary to have read this book to get something out of this uh, talk that we're going to do today. But if you want to read it, I highly recommend it. It is a fantastic book. Uh, and we're going to be doing further work on this book as time goes on. So, we will uh, keep you posted on that. All right, so let's jump right into this. Why don't you uh, contextualize where we are in Manly Hall's life and tell us a little bit about that, uh, just to kind of set us up with that, because we always like to share a little bit about Manly Hall uh, when we discuss his work. So,
1: Okay, so um, Manly Hall, great uh, 20th century philosopher, uh, originally from Canada, but he did all his work in Los Angeles. And he toured, of course, he went to Carnegie Hall in the 40s, probably best known for his work, The Secret Teachings of All Ages, which was published first in 1928. Uh, And this pamphlet was actually a few years before then. This is 1925. So it even preceded his great work, uh, The Secret Teachings. He would have been 24 at this time, uh, but he would have already gone around the world. He took a world tour to you know, Japan, uh, the Forbidden City in China, to uh, the Middle East, uh, to Egypt, uh, and then to the British Museum where he studied, doing his research for the secret teachings. So I'm sure some of this stuff he picked up along the way. And it's very dense. Uh, there's a lot, like any, I think, younger person, um, you wanna put in a whole bunch of notes <laughs> if you're a musician you wanna have a theory of everything. I think that has something to do with, uh, with the age, um, but it's very clearly presented, um, very uh, very wisely done. Uh, and it's a great introduction, but it's also, if you've been studying this stuff for years, this is a great uh, reminder and there's still great stuff in it. So
0: that's kind of a context for, um, for this work. Very good, thank you. Um, we also, we did a uh, we did a, a podcast on uh, Melchizedek and the mystery of fire, which is one of these early books like this hermetic marriage, uh, which was written prior to um, the secret teachings. And there is uh, some of this same information in there. Uh, so if you want to listen to that podcast, we, we do go into that deeply and the mystery of fire and and how that relates to occult anatomy and things like that uh, is in that one as well which we're going to get into some of that today as well but we uh, we go uh, we do about an hour on just that occult anatomy and that mystery of fire and so on so just to kind of put this into perspective you know we're talking about the hermetic marriage and that idea is akin to an idea that um is popular in a lot of mythology, particularly in this hermetic and alchemical symbolism. The idea is the marriage of the sun and the moon, marriage of the sun and the moon. So we're going to look at that and we're going to explain what that means as we go along. At the end, we're going to wrap it up and, and really, really put it into perspective. But I want you to have that in the in the in the forefront of your mind as we go through this stuff. And very
1: simply the sun you know spirit the moon matter the sun perhaps masculine the lunar feminine uh, the sun being far away but very powerful Mm -hmm. uh, the moon being very near and as luminaries in the sky they are roughly the same size uh, astronomically speaking uh, but very very related but very different and this symbolism i mean we've seen it on beach towels where there's kind of the man in the moon face uh, along with a sun sometimes merged together. So in the same disc, you might have both represented. So it's a familiar image
0: and we're going to really unpack that. I like the beach towels reference because I'm not, yeah. I, I didn't, I, I got to be honest with you. I've never seen one of those beach towels. Where does one purchase an occult beach towel? Is that from occultbeachtowels.com? Where all beach towels are sold. <laughs> um, probably in Venice. Gentlemen. Maybe
1: that's a California thing. I don't know. But listen, I was. Uh, in I've California. seen it. I've seen it a lot in uh, you know, or tattoos. You know, where the yeah. this sun am not. am saying it. in exist. the same image.
0: I'm not arguing so. that it exists. What I'm saying is, I want one, and I and you want I, one. Huh? And I, yeah, and I don't know where to purchase. I have actually. Uh, See business idea, yeah. Business idea, one. <laughs> Make the a note. Hermetic or hermeticbeachtowels beach
1: dot com. All
0: right. By the way, <laughs> don't steal our idea because yeah, we, we've no. we've now laid it down on on a recording, so it's a copyrighted idea. So do not steal our beach towels idea. All right. So Hermes was uh, was a god. Um, Toth Hermes more appropriately is the ibis-headed uh, Egyptian god of wisdom, learning and literature, science, magic, communication. Um, he's accredited with being the first to reveal the art of writing to this present human race, this present human race. And of course, Manley Hall's al- alluding to the idea that there were previous human races, which is the idea of the, you know, the chain of, of different r- racial incarnations and so on that have occurred uh, prior to us. And that's uh, an idea that comes through any of the secret teachings and occult wisdom Um, and points back to Atlanta and possibly Mew and Lemuria and some of these different ideas as being uh, previous races to the one that, you know, we're in today. Um, Not, you know, scientific anthropological ideas, but more occult ideas, but doesn't mean they don't uh, hold, uh, hold value or it doesn't mean that they're not true for that matter, because we have no evidence that they're, you know, that they, that these things did not happen. Uh, so Toth was, uh, a contemporary theoretically of, of, Moses. Um, and there's some idea that maybe Moses and Hermes Toth might've been the same person. That's again, I think from the Se- Se- secret doctrine, this is an idea that Manly Hall puts forward, but basically the, the, why, uh, Hermes and Toth are kind of, um, put together, is because at this time in Egypt, when this material is coming to light and these ideas are starting to form, it's uh, the time of the Ptolemies, uh, which is, uh, the Greeks basically were in control of Egypt at this time. So they tended to sort of syncretize things together. The Romans later did that as well. And that's where you'll see even, uh, the idea that Mercury, Hermes, Toth, they're all the sort of same idea. They become put together in the Roman ideas and later Hermeticism of the Romans. Uh, so the idea then, this, this, this word Hermes actually comes from an ancient root word, which is Herm. And you can see in, uh, if you just look it up online, a herm is actually a, a type of a statue. They used to post these on the roads and at crossroads actually, at crossroads. So the idea of communications and crossroads uh, come together with this with this herm. In Greece they would they would have these these little pillars with a with an erect phallus on them, basically. And that was that phallic idea and, and Hermes and this sort of active, positive, uh, radiant, you know, productive principle of nature, basically kind of related to pan the idea of pan it's all it's all sort of sort of conflated together um and this again this sort of relates to the idea this herm idea hermes idea uh, is in haram or the idea of hiram Abif and freemasonry and we cover that a bit in that um in that uh, melchizedek podcast that we do that was a fun one i enjoyed doing that one um so we'll move forward then. We want to get into what this means to us. Because really the, the gist of this book is the idea about the Hermetic marriage itself. But we have to really kind of touch on the, some of these ideas that lead up to this. So in essence, he lays out the idea of how these ancient Egyptian ideas come down to us through alchemy. Uh, through the ancient wisdom traditions and so on and he also points out that and this is a really interesting idea that that hermes in essence to ancient philosophy was and this is a direct quote, he says hermes was to ancient philosophy what jesus is to christianity it's light it's inspiration and its impetus The Egyptian initiates of the Temple of Isis claim, therefore, that Hermes was actually the writer of all books on philosophical and religious subjects. So he's really the spirit behind this wisdom. uh, So that all human authors then are just inspired by Hermes, basically, which is... So there's a couple of ideas about, you know, the Hermetic literature that came out of that, that that Hermes was supposedly the author of like 10,000 books or something. And that would tie into that idea that and Hermes is the spirit behind those books. But in essence, the, the sort of historical idea is that there were 42 books of Hermes. This is something that's been written down in several several places in ancient sources. There were actually 42 books originally. And so Manley Hall speculates that this may have had something to do with the idea that there were 42 uh, provinces in Egypt, which all had their 42 leaders, and that had something to do with the weighing the soul at death. Uh, and so forth, so there's some Egyptian symbolism in that, and things like that. So the idea then is that this hermetic wisdom you know comes down to us through various sources in the modern world and really hits its stride in the middle ages in alchemy in alchemy so alchemy then is this this sort of for, forerunner to what we might call you know what we'd call chemistry today, but alchemy. Manley hall points out is really the chemistry of life and he calls it the androgynous parent of chemistry which i like which refers to that hermetic marriage that idea of of that hermetic marriage so you know basically what he's pointing out then is alchemy is sort of the philosophical and spiritual branch of it while while chemistry becomes the sort of materialist way of looking at things And he you know and he cites some different uh figures in that that development, Roger Bacon and Boyle, etc. And they were interested in dealing with the minerals and the medicines and the chemicals and so on, while alchemy struggled with the far greater elements of macrocosmic and microcosmic relationships. Macrocosmic and microcosmic relationships. And that will lead us into our discussion later on of the sun and the moon, and that is what we're talking about with the hermetic marriage. So, Basically, then what all this is saying is that, you know, alchemy is 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 a is a product most likely of Egypt and came down to us through these different different systems and spiritual ideas and and so forth. He cites the Illuminati, the Freemasons, and the Rosicrucians. And I don't mean the Illuminati and the idea of a conspiracy theory Illuminati. This is the actual Illuminati. A real secret society, which which was you know propagating ideas back in you know the seventeen hundreds, sixteen hundreds, and so forth. Um, so this is kind of our modern connection. These guys, and then the and then, like I said, the Middle Ages alchemies sort of uh, rise to to prominence uh, through people like Paracelsus. Uh, Paracelsus was a Swiss physician. And he was developing these different ideas. So that's kind of a a, sort of an overview of it. So basically, then the idea is that these hermetic ideals come to us through the symbolism of mainly the symbolism of alchemy today. And that's really what this what this book is about. And alchemy is still alive and well. It's still with us. It's still a valid pursuit. We know that from from Jung's research. And so speaking of Jung, Jung really started writing about alchemy uh, as, he, as he was a pretty young man as well uh, when he began his researches into alchemy. One of the interesting connections, you know, Jung obviously used alchemy. He thought alchemy was the, the best way for him to describe the experiences that he went through in his own individuation process. So he, he really glummed onto alchemy and really, really, uh, it really resonated with him. And he f- felt it was one of the best systems to describe the process of the soul unfolding and going through its sort of individuation process as we, as we work towards this Hermetic marriage. So um, Jung actually borrowed books from Manly Hall when he was doing a lot of his alchemical work, didn't he?
1: Yeah, it would have been in the uh, mid to late forties, um, and I think it was alchemy and psychotherapy. It was part of the collected works. Uh, was the uh, titles under which he wrote, uh, but he yes, he borrowed uh, charts and images, a lot of images. Um, well, because a lot of the old alchemical texts, you know, were very illustrated um, to uh, describe the process, but simply put this you know alchemical process is the means by which this marriage is attained so the you know the marriage is sort of the goal and and also the end result and the end result uh-huh. yeah and then alchemy is is kind of how you get there yeah but, uh, again simplified but but that's uh, no
0: that's a great way to put it
1: but it is a process
0: yeah and and in you know it's in in Jung's terminology—that's that process of individuation that's taking place, which might be called in, you know, in, in yoga or in some of the more uh, Eastern traditions, like a self-realization um, or something like that. It's that sort of same or idea: oneness, oneness. Zen, becoming one, sure, the universe, yeah. exactly. So it's that sort of merging into the into the the unity of all things. Um, so. What exactly though? Do you, do you know um, what he what what Young borrowed from Manley Hall and like how that took place? I mean, did he did, were they writing and sending things back and forth or how? Like, have you seen any of that material? Did you ever see that any of the letters or I haven't anything? Seen any of the, the, the correspondences. Correspondence. Uh,
1: but uh, but Hall would have. You know, he spoke about Young pretty early on in the '30s before he really hit, uh, you know, more mainstream uh you know american uh, you know, study yeah uh, and Manley hall really was uh the go-to guy uh when it came to esoteric wisdom and symbolic philosophy because he had gone around the world plus he had donors and sponsors uh and collected uh a lot of very rare books uh but really uh and his library at the philosophical research society was um, you know, was built to house um, what were then very difficult books uh, to find uh, under one roof. And and I think that was known. If you were studying some of this stuff, you would come across him and he was reachable. <laughs> you could, uh, you know, write to yeah. him and um, approachable. And, and certainly he wanted to contribute to the, you know, the study, uh, the greater study of of these things because both Jung and Hall believed that, you know, this ancient wisdom and esoteric philosophy uh, was not only, you know, cool and interesting, and there's a need to preserve it and perpetuate it for future generations, they really focused on the idea that, that these things are relevant and they are useful and applied properly, they are practical to a 20th century and of course now 21st century person that they're, they're not obscure. They need to be, you know, wrestled from, from their obscurity yeah. and brought back. Uh, but so it's kind of an interesting, you know, merger of, you know, kind of the, the latest and, you know, psychological theory, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the age of technology uh, using uh, ancient technology of alchemy And really finding that, uh, you know, the older one is actually a very useful way of describing uh, some of these modern ideas, which really aren't that modern.
0: Yeah. And I mean, even to the point where there's, you know, there's analogies between these processes and some of the things they're finding in neuroscience and biology and, you know, some of the more scientific sort of hard science fields that are doing uh, research into into psychology and so on, uh, so that they, you know, that they find that a lot of the things that they were speaking about symbolically, you know, they're 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 resonating even with some of these scientists, even though scientists don't necessarily use these symbolic images or terms to describe things. They're describing processes which are very very similar, very similar. That's why it makes. This stuff even more important to study, and you see, you know, even even a lot of uh, you know popular psychology now, particularly I think off the top of my head of Jordan Peterson, who's like still, you know, he's you know he really speaks about neuroscience and the science of things, or the cutting edge consciousness studies and so on, but at the same time, constantly referring back to Jung and alchemy and, and the symbolic nature of things and the Bible and the, the, the you know the sacred stories of different peoples and so on to kind of elucidate some of the things that he's, that he's talking about. And I find that that's really a a pretty exciting way to start bringing these things into, into use again, because, you know, this is, this is the thing is like, we look back and we think, well, these, you know, these people are somewhat primitive and they were, you know, they didn't really understand these things, but you know, it's, it's not really the case. We're finding that that's not really the case. You know, that they actually, they actually were quite wise and that's why the ancient wisdom still has a place. And that's why, you know, even, even, you know, scientists oftentimes today, you know, I think the less informed ones will probably just dismiss alchemy and say, well, it was a forerunner to chemistry. Um, they don't realize the, you know, the sort of spiritual and psychological side of it. And that's, you know, it's it's understandable. But this is where, you know, like you said, it's important for us to still study these things today because they apply to the the soul, and the soul is not changed, you know, and the soul will not change unless, of course, you know, you're 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 doing this work and and working on, you know, purifying and and moving towards a you know a different type of uh, consciousness, a different type of experience. Uh, but you know, this this is a beautiful way that Manly Hall puts about it. It just caught my eye. Alchemy became the chemistry of the soul, the chemistry of the soul, which I, I think is such a really, a really cool way of putting that. And then he says, uh he, the alchemist, he's speaking of the alchemist, he learned how to combine the living chemicals of thought, action, and desire, and in so doing became master of nature by learning the ways of nature. He becomes Excuse me, he became a god by actually becoming a man. In the words of the great Paracelsus, the beginning of wisdom is the beginning of supernatural power. And that's really getting at the heart of this work. I mean, it's becoming wise, it's, you know, utilizing your your thought, action, and desire to create a better world for yourself and others. And these are the practical things. You know, more consciousness, more depth, more balance in your life. These are these are the things that we're we're getting from this. You know, and in a lot of ways, we need to look back to the ancient wisdom for these things, because we've lost some of this knowledge. And and he does talk about this, and we're not really touching on these later chapters, but he does talk about this in the in the book that, you know, we've become so obsessed with, with business and materialism and consumerism, and even our, our sciences, you know, become very materialist oriented. And so, more than ever, we need to study these ancient truths in order to feed the soul. You know what I mean? Well, I do. And I think the ancients, you know, spent more
1: time with the soul. Yeah. Um, you know, the Shakespeare plays, you know, it wasn't just some drama. It was, you know, it was some relation to uh, the inner life and, you know, the soul unfoldment of people and to um i guess to make this connection um you know stronger uh, or you know put a, a point on it um one of the great hermetic you know rules or laws or axioms that we might all be familiar with is as above so below that which is below is like that which is above so it's this law of correspondence that What's out there is in here. What's big on the macro level is also true on the micro level. And scientifically, we can just use the image of like a solar system where the sun is in the center and these planets are orbiting around this sun, uh, just like you could picture an atom with the protons and neutrons in the nucleus. And then you have these orbits of electrons going around this nucleus. Uh, that that knowledge was available maybe not particularly you know that they had an electron microscope or actually we still really can't see (laughs) that in an atom but we as scientists know that that's uh, at least the current truth Uh, but to have that correspondence so when you know uh, when an alchemist is doing something in the laboratory yes there's beakers and potions and processes and heating and cooling and uh, chemicals and all these things that that is also taking place inside so when you mentioned about these you know chemicals of of the soul uh, this thought and uh, ambition uh, and action uh, that those um, they take place Mm -hmm. out there and they take place in here and as you're working on something out there you're really working on it in here Um, because you really need something (laughs) out there. You know, it uh, it gets really mushy when you talk about the unconscious and the subconscious and you have to use terms. But if you can see that, keep that correspondence, but then you're doing something out there or you're seeing something in nature, uh, you're also seeing what's happening Mm -hmm, inside mm -hmm. you. And so if you can learn about nature, I mean, physical nature, you know, uh, out there, um, you 're really learning something about your nature, your true yeah. nature, and I think that 's you know, be, becoming a man it 's like becoming really your true self
0: yeah exactly um, and, and I...
1: then you 're really in harmony with nature and the universe, and that 's where you get it 's not overcoming mm. nature it 's not you know denying or you know subverting uh, natural force it 's really coming more in tune and in harmony with those that we actually have, you know, our power, our soul power, our individual.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, the, the ancient people too had, and some people today even share this, this idea as well, but the idea was uh, more commonly known to ancients in terms of uh, nature being alive. And, and that idea of the, the, the macrocosm and the microcosm, uh, being connected and the macrocosm is nature is the universe. The microcosm is, would be the human body. So, you know, everything was alive to the ancients. It, everything was filled with God. They're, they they you know, you were in, in it and it was in you, you know, so for, for them, it was not difficult to accept the idea of the, the human body, for example, as being symbolic of the universe, even the earth being symbolic of the universe, you know, actual material things. Um, of course, you have this idea in, um, in, in early Kabbalism of uh, Adam Kadmon or the grand man. Later on, this is known as uh, the macro prosopos, the spirit of the grand man. This is sort of the prototype on which, you know, human beings are created. It's like the large, you know, archetypal version of man. And that's really the, the universe. That was the mold from which we were made. You know that's the idea that that uh, that that, that it comes from. You know the, the the prototype from which we we come, and you know I think as we've gained in scientific knowledge, we've sort of stripped the universe and ourselves and material you know material existence of this aliveness of this quality, and you know they've certainly infused. You know, in quantum physics that, you know, there's probably more of those ideas in quantum physics that would support a lot of these ideas. But in sort of, you know, Newtonian sort of hard science type stuff, you know, materialist deterministic sort of science, um, you know, it it kind of, you know, they've necessarily had to strip out some of the supernatural ideas and components. But the ancients didn't think like that. So for them, you know, everything was connected and everything was as above, so below. So you know, the macrocosm then was the suns, the moons, the planets, the gases, the ethers, and so on that were all the you know parts of creation. And this idea, you know, comes out in in mythology. Manly Hall points out that in the Aedus in the Scandinavian Aedus, the universe was formed of the body of Emir, the Frost King, and in India that that the universe was constructed from the person of Brahma, the Creator God. Um, so so those you know so those those gods or the you know that that sort of universal spiritual energy you know is the is the the ground of of material existence it's what it's formed out of it's in and through it you know we live and move and have our being in it like paul said and i think in some ways we've kind of forgotten that you know what i mean and so it's important for us to look at this ancient stuff to kind of recover that sense of of connection would you agree
1: well, it's to make that yeah. reconnection, yes. And it's understandable that um, the separation occurred. I think that's a necessary maybe part of the process um, that if science became too influenced or scientific thought became too influenced by say dogmatic or you know religious influence that uh, this is the way the universe is according to this particular religion, well, you come across with a scientific viewpoint that might be a little bit different and might deviate from that. Well, then you're a heretic and you're gonna get burned or arrested. Um, So science really kind of needed to be separate from that. But in this separation, in the last several hundred years that that this has occurred, uh, something has really been lost along the way. And I think now uh, that we've reached kind of the ends or at least the mushy limits of material science. Uh, we butt up against things that we can't explain. You study psychology and um, you know psychiatry and then it's, well, it's, you just can't tell with human beings that are going to do something weird or you get into quantum physics and it just gets bizarre. Uh, it's very difficult to explain. It's hard to predict. It doesn't fit some of these neat models yeah. that we've been used to. So a reconnection—that's really what this marriage. Maybe there needs to be a you know a rewedding, a remarriage of these things without losing the scientific mm-hmm.
0: yeah for sure, you for know, sure. truth.
1: To I things. mean, it's we need that. You know, there, there's it, yeah. Exactly. I wouldn't I wouldn't lose that. As a matter of fact, I think science can gain quite a bit um, from having these things going without losing experimentation. Because really, if you have a scientific truth. Uh, say if it's you know engineering or you're constructing a bridge, um, those laws are laws of nature and physics and within us, um, but they shouldn't really depend on you know which God you pray to, or you know whether your psyche feels like it or not. Um, you know those are kind of hard cold scientific things that that we can rely on, um, but the process by which you come up with these ideas that the engineer envisions the bridge and the architect. Uh, you have, you know, you're working with these forces again, and to just have a reconnection with that astronomers should study astrology, you know, not as, you know, predicting your horoscope, but as a larger context, a more historical uh, heritage of this branch. And it doesn't mean you're Mm going to ditch your telescope (laughs) and get out your, your natal chart. Um, But, I think it can enrich that, and we can bring more to because you know it's the human being yeah, exactly. that's doing the science, you know. And I, I think that you know is is something that maybe we're ready for it now. Maybe we're ready for you know, a reintroduction. No, of not at, at not all. Incompatible. And uh, with science. I think you are seeing it as, as that. Oh, that was superstition. Yeah. And now we have science. Well, you kind of lost something <laughs> along the way. Keep your science. Uh, re-enchanted i think things got Mm -hmm. disenchanted you know and that's where we have you were talking about these fairy tales you know the sleeping beauty or you know you're you're, yeah it's been asleep (laughs) it needs to be awakened again with this spirit with this yeah exactly more metaphysical or you know symbolic and etheric um sense you don't again lose the science but i think you gain
0: um and There's an connection. interesting thing. He breaks but, down, and I just had this uh, this thought as I was listening to you and as I was looking at this little structural thing that he, he comes up with. So Manley Hall points out that an anonymous alchemist writing in the Middle Ages stated, God has given man three ways whereby he may learn the infinite will. So basically, how can you understand God? How can you understand the spiritual universe? So one is through nature, For in the stars that twinkle in the sky, the planets in their thundering march, and the earth with its multitude of laws are concealed the laws of God. Two is holy writ, or sacred scriptures, sacred stories, mythology, etc. The inspired word of saints and sages unnumbered. And three, three is anatomy, the structure of our own bodies, wherein is concealed, concealed the structure of the universe, for all things are made by one mold. And then he gives that example which you talked about, the... The atom. And he talks about electrons revolving around nebular centers, and it's the same law that moves planets around the sun, and so forth. And then, you know, touches on that idea, idea of as above, so below. So, those 3 is ideas—nature, sacred scripture stories, and the body—are also at work. If you think about it, in some ways, the idea of Uh, PRS philosophy, religion, and science that Manley Hall, you know, founded his organization on the PR, the philosophical research society, philosophy, religion, and science. So philosophy then would be the sort of sacred scriptures stories portion of that Uh, science would be the body the materialistic side of it and the nature laws and the sort of spiritual universe and so on would be the, the religion side of it. So the mediator between, between, religion and science, then, is philosophy. Philosophy. The love of wisdom. And it contains both. Well, exactly. Contains and that's both. where, you know, in a sense, like the the sort of connection between the spirit and, and, and the body would be the soul, the psyche. That's a, a three-part sort of idea. And that then ties into the idea, the alchemical idea of salt, sulfur, and mercury. So salt is actually the body the mer- mercury is is the, the psyche or the soul and then the sulfur is like like the spirit it's three those three natures the na- you know the the nature portion of it the sacred scripture portion of it and the body portion there's all these 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 you know uh symbols of three in here um, which are interesting. So you know, I think that's where it is. It's in the mediator, and and really where where Hermes and the idea of the hermetic wisdom falls in in those is that 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 um, Mercury portion of it. So later on, uh, Toth Hermes also gets conflated with Mercury, you know, the Roman god Mercury, who's the communicator, and that's that sort of. The idea is that soul portion of it is what mediates between the alchemical salt and the alchemical sulfur. The soul portion or the mind portion is what mediates between body and and spirit. And that's that's the essence of this whole thing. And then that starts getting into this idea of the hermetic marriage. So, you know, the mid portion of it is uh, is you know is in that sort of Hermes Toth idea. Um, and it's, it's the mediator between those two things. So I think what we'll get into now then is, is what we started the show with. And we were talking about what actually is the hermetic marriage then what is actually happening here. And we said, you know, that there's, there's a connection between the sun and the moon. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Do you want to start in on that?
1: Um, well, sure. And to start with, uh, just using the, um, term uh, hermetic um, you mentioned something about that it's concealed within we in common language we say, Oh, that's hermetically sealed. Like it's, mm. you know, the, the winners for the <laughs> yeah. Oscars right. or you know, hermetically sealed. And so, you know, it's like, sure. not, it's, you know, it, it's kept secret. I think it's also in medicine, you know, you want your, you know, sterile tools for some surgeries to be you know hermetically sealed so you don't get contaminated. Uh, but it's this revealing, this, um, you know, bringing out um, that which is sealed, this unsealing. And that's through that correspondence between, you know, above and below and within and without. And this really plays out in the masculine and feminine archetypes in the world. And so with Hermes, there's a legend of Hermes, this, uh, you know, more masculine uh, male energy of, you know, perhaps fire, uh, spirit, uh, that's uh, connected with matter, um, which is Aphrodite. And then together, you have this hermaphroditus, or, you know, hermaphrodite, if you will, uh, that both are contained in the one being, the masculine and the feminine. In Taoism, you have the yin and the yang, the feminine and the masculine, and it's you know, you can look at them separately but you really they're really <laughs> connected uh and if you really conceive them as being separate without each other or mutually exclusive or independent of each other you know that's where you're in trouble it's the harmony of these things and uh with the sun and the moon the sun being you know the fire you know this heat this you know much more powerful uh, in a lot of ways than the moon uh, but the moon having substance and it's near it pulls the oceans you know for the tides were more affected by the moon perhaps than the sun uh, at least on that soul level uh, and it's the age-old question which is now called the hard problem I think um, David Chalmers uh British uh, scientist calls the hard problem in science and that is how does spirit interact with matter how does consciousness interact with the brain you know where is you know soul and body you know you can look at them independently but they somehow mysteriously interact maybe one causes another i don't know uh, again the mm-hmm. hard problem in science and this hermetic marriage really uh answers that or at least it gives an example of how we might approach that with a more integrated viewpoint. And um you can talk about Jung. Jung you know wrote and spoke quite a bit about that
0: this with uh you know these masculine and feminine mm-hmm. aspects mm-hmm. of each and every one yeah exactly and so that we carry within ourselves uh the 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 contra sexual oh. element uh, which would mean, you know, if you have, if you're a man, you have a, a feminine aspect to you, and if you're a woman, you have a, a masculine aspect to you, and of course, you're trying to strive for a certain amount of balance between those two, and there's a symbolic, you know, quality to that. And the interesting thing is, like, you get this idea then of the sun and the moon uh, as sort of, you know, spirit and matter. The sun would be spirit, and the moon would be matter, since the moon's receptive, right? So you have that masculine and feminine thing. But the mediator between the two of those then really is, is the, is the soul, you know, it's the soul, it's the psyche. And that's what toothermy is. That's what, you know, this, this sort of symbolic, um, idea of, of, of the hermetic marriage is, is, you know, the soul mediating between the two of those, two of those things. And it creates that balance. So I'm going to read, uh, What Manley Hall has to say about this is an interesting thing. Uh, He doesn't really talk about that, but he's talking about those two, those two, um, uh, those two different things, the sun and the moon. Okay, so he says the marriage of the sun and the moon was therefore the marriage of the heart and mind or the two halves of every nature. So this is one way of looking at it. It was the union of strength and beauty, inspiration and courage. And in its greatest expression, the union of science and theology. So there's the union of science and religion, um, or God and nature. The great need of this alliance is plainly evident in the world today, where cold intellectualism and commercialism need the finer sentiments of friendliness and altruism to offset their heartless cruelty. On the other hand, fanaticism, blind faith, and ungoverned emotionalism require the strong hand of logic and reason to steer them away from the rocks of insanity and death. Perfect equilibrium in the nature of people is seldom met with. In fact, it is nature's greatest rarity. A person who has that perfectly balanced viewpoint is the living philosopher's stone, for he has strength matched with kindliness and justice tempered with mercy. So, you know, again, it's it's heavy, you know, and that's those two things, that spirit and matter being united with the, with the with by the third quality, which is soul or psyche, and that's that idea of the the salt, the sulfur, and the mercury. So the salt is the actual body, the material. The sulfur is the fire principle, or the divine, or the spirit, and the mercury is the intermediary between the two. So, which is why mercury, because it's a,
1: a liquid metal, it can flow in between them it has kind of properties of both so it's a exactly physically exactly elemental symbol and
0: so then he gets into the idea of what you were talking about the yin and yang and it's very you know if you think about the yin and yang symbol so you've got the white fish let's call it and then the black fish intertwine and then the eyes of the opposite color in each one if you look at the you know the the black would be the receptive you know, the yin would be the sort of, the, the, you know, the, the white would be the sort of positive. Uh, that's the yang. Um, and, and then the, the intermediary between the two of those would be the dots, the little bit that's in each one. Uh, you know, the opposite is still in, in each one of those things. And that's the, that's the sort of mediator between the two. That would be the, the you know, the, the mercury, those little dots in that, in those, in that symbol. Uh, So, you know, so all so the stuff plays itself out in, in, you know, in most cultures around the world and these different symbols. So, you know, ancient peoples were well aware of this idea and this this tension between spirit and matter that existed. It's always existed, you know, and we're we're still struggling with those ideas. Like you said, like in those, you know, in, in neuroscience deals with that same problem. Like what exactly is consciousness? Is the brain creating it or is the brain a receptacle for it? You know, there's not a, it's both and not or, you know, and the both and perspective is that is that mercury. It's that quicksilver idea in alchemy. It's the Hermes Toth principle that's at work. It's the mediator between the, the quote unquote opposites. Right.
1: Right. And that's really what the world is. Sure. And I of today, even socially, you know, it's in, in this country, in the United States, we have um, uh, really two main political parties and, you know, left and right, you know, uh, red and blue. And it seems like, you know, one battles with the other, and then the other one battles back four years later. And, and it's, that's not really how it worked. That's, we'd be very poor Taoists and alchemists in this country with, with that. Um, it's not an either, or it is a plus and, and we have to find a way to harmonize both, or we're just going to be stuck in this kind of perpetual, you know, wrestling match uh, where they, you know, may conflict at times, and then they may butt up against each other. But really, what we need these two to do is harmonize, because and he's, you know, he mentions that you know Hall does that, um, you know, if intellectualism and uh, scientism. Um, are really devoid of exactly. any kind of meaning. Then, then really, what's the point? You know, they've it's lost something. They're cold. Uh, they don't really soothe. You know, they do really help anybody. Uh, but if you have superstition and fundamentalism, and you know, you deny science, and you don't have really any yeah. kind of logical structure, well, then it's it could just be anything. You can just make stuff up and try to convince somebody that mm-hmm. that's right and charging for it or whatever you do with that um you know both are poor uh due to this split again i think the split was necessary because they were
0: uh yeah yeah um,
1: they were kind of canceling well, each other out religion hampered, through this split hampered, this cartesian religion hampered split,
0: science uh, they had a and, chance and, to you kind know of, and and so yeah. it was necessary absolutely to split away it really but, did but then yeah science then went off on its own without any any spiritual or philosophical groundings and then you know then what are you doing science for and the questions of value are not asked like is this a, a a proper use of science you know do we want to be genetically engineering plants and animals do we want to be creating weapons that can wipe out the earth in a single explosion My my answer to that is not well well, what's go. the first
1: thing we did when we split no, the atom no. it, you know, was it exactly. atomic medicine, was it a power plant no, without it was a yeah. bomb, and, so there's your science um, without ethics, it doesn't mean you can't make bombs I mean,
0: we probably will anyway, but but should we make know, these kinds, kinds of weapons other is a question of, of, of philosophy then, it's a question of, of value yeah, yeah
1: science asks can we yeah. and how do we yeah, philosophy exactly. asks, you know, should we, why should we? And, and so, if we do, you know, this marriage
0: with then of the sun and, and the moon, moon is then a marriage between, like we said, this spirit and matter, this masculine and feminine, and the intermediary between the two that creates this divine androgyne, as it were, the divine, divine hermaphrodite is a balanced version of that, right? It's a balanced version of masculine and feminine energy. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, androgyne too, that's a, that's a compound word, andros. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know, uh, androgen and then you have gine uh, yeah gino, it's a compound exactly. and it's, it's definitely a uh, a connection and we are and Jung really went on with anima and the animus um, and this harmonizing these mm-hmm. two uh, which probably <laughs> came out later than when this uh, manly hall because I'm sure if he would have known about that or if that had been published in America and yeah. he would have mentioned it because he Really dances all around this. I imagine they probably both sure. drew from the same sources and came to the same conclusions, although, you know, we really went further and established, um, you know, terminology yeah. and methods by which you can actually do that, which is, you know, really becomes the important thing. How are we as alchemists, how sure. are we using our sure. soul power to be this mediator, mediatrix between? you know spirit
0: and matter between Yeah exactly you know, and how you know and, and how religion. also you know kind of to wrap this and, up as we're getting close to the end of this is how we how can we put some of these ideas to use practically in our own lives um the first thing i would suggest is kind of look at look at the type of person you are you know if you're a more sort of intuitive and sort of um you know emotional and sort of how can I, you know artistic and sort of let you know less logical type person. Well, then, you, and I don't mean that in a pejorative way to say less logical. I mean it's you know sort of more. It's just two different ways of operating. um you, Then you might want to balance that out with some some science, some logic, and some mathematical skills, maybe, or study some something that requires you know a more finite way of looking at things to kind of balance out that sort of fuzzier more feeling oriented kind of nature and then if you're someone who's a little more thinking oriented and our society tends to be more thinking oriented and and certainly more logical in general so most of us find ourselves on the other side of this then in that case you've got to develop the qualities of the heart you know what i mean you've got to develop the qualities of the heart and how do you do that and through music through art through poetry through dance through you know through relating to people and a an in a more intimate way, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So um, one recommendation I'd like to make, and I'm sure you'll have some as well uh, is, is uh, Edward Edinger's book, the anatomy of the psyche and this I draw from all the time. Uh, It's a very well laid out sort of explanation of, of alchemy and his final, uh, chapter in this is the connubio, which is actually this you know this marriage that we're talking about, this marriage of the sun and the moon, this hermetic marriage. It's the blending of the opposites. And there's a whole chapter devoted to that. And then there's also chapters devoted on kind of how to get there psychologically speaking. And it's a seven step process. And you know it's you can liken it to, with the with the chakras and other sort of seven step systems and and so on. And so there's a you know there's a really nice sort of uh, structure in that to be able to put this to use in your life psychologically. Of course, Jung's work is, is excellent, you know, psychology and, and alchemy and, and so on. But, but this Edinger book, E-D-I-N-G-E-R anatomy of the psyche is a distilled down discussion of, of, of Jung's work in a more readable sort of format in a lot of ways Jung covered so much in his material it's hard to extract out a lot of these these things um and of course as we said hermetic marriage of the manly hall book that we've been talking about today do you have any other uh ideas on how one can balance these things out and or and the source to look for information as well uh, that you want to kind of finish up with
1: sure yeah well to um Reiterate what I was saying about Mm -hmm. how science and religion have have really gone under this split. Uh, It's gone so far now that our science is something to be Mm -hmm. believed in. Do you believe in science? Do you not believe in science? Do you deny science? Oh, yeah, it's become dogmatic. Religion's become dogmatic. Um, And it's hailed. Yeah. And religion is all about finding, you know, physical archaeological proof that jesus planted his feet here on this shore of the galilee and it's like well then there's no faith in our religion and there's you know and there's this you know either you have believe in it or don't believe Mm in it i don't want to believe or have faith in science i I wanted that to be fact you know so what we have here and the buddhists can help out with uh, this notion of the head and the heart because you know Yes, we're looking out here and out there for all these examples, but we have within each one of us, you know, this head and the heart. You're talking about intellect and emotion, but uh, this notion of the heart-mind, that the heart actually has wisdom in it, intelligence. Uh, there is a lot of scientific proof now, and you can listen to Greg Braden. Uh He talks a lot about that, that there are, and Dean Radin as well, uh, that you can even test. There are frequencies and wavelengths of you know, electromagnetic energy uh, coming out from the heart region um, that are many times more powerful uh, than what's coming out um, with the head. But the main thing is this balance. And one thing I like to do use the, using the four elements of air, earth, fire, and water, that seems to work with me and that, that's very alchemical, but it's, it's kind of down to four instead of seven and they're easy to understand so if this airness if you're just all an idea and abstraction and uh but you're not really doing anything about it well you need to be a little more grounded so there's a lot too much air well then then turn up the earth a little bit get your feet on the ground keep your head up there looking high but get your feet on the ground and you know work with your hands and you know try to make something happen in the physical world same with the more emotional capacity if um Say you're you know flooded uh, with thoughts you 're swamped uh, with emotion you know you 're undrowning in despair. you know we use all these water <laughs> watery descriptors um, for you know being almost too emotional, like a sponge and you 've soaked all this up. well, maybe you need a little dryness, a little bit of fire uh, you need a little passion, a little more you know crack the whip uh, because you can get mired in in these um, in the sea of emotions. Uh, so that works for me um, because those are very simple, very easy elements to connect with. And they're very, very practical in how um, you can play them out. Uh, so we don't get stuck too much in one or too much in the other. And and that's your that's your marriage. That's the, the sun of the head and the the moon of the heart, the masculine, the feminine, the silver, uh, and the gold, even those colors are replicated in the sun and the moon. The moon is silvery and the sun is this golden light. Uh, but it's, it's in within each one of us. And that's the laboratory. And again, bringing this soul power. What's, you know, what ties these together? You know, the mediator, the mediatrix that uh, says, whoa, you've got too much of this. That's, uh, I think that's the base of uh, Aruv- um, what, wait, what is Aruvita, it? Ayurveda uh,
0: medicine. Uh, ayurvedic that, medicine yeah
1: the, the Ayur, ayurvedic uh, medicine that
0: yeah that there's, oh yeah yeah um, the balance you yeah, might exactly. have too much of one exactly.
1: and oh you need a little bit of heat well there's a little bit of
0: spice oh um, you need some bland good point yeah the chinese you know, medicine like they can get well. out of hand it's based on so. the same sort of ideas those elemental ideas yeah 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 that's that's the Sure, exactly. The humors, right? It, uh, I think in Buddhist yeah, medicine, H-U-M-O-U, too. Yeah, that's in alchemy as well. It's in ancient yeah. medieval medicine and, uh, and and the Western traditions as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's all on solid solid ancient ground, all of those ideas. Any books uh, come to mind that you, you'd recommend or or anything like that or, or videos you'd want to talk about?
1: Well, as a spiritual book, the Tao, the Tao Te Ching, um, it's a little flowery and very symbolic, uh, but I think it really explains this connection between you know the person and nature or some of these kind of paradoxical things mm-hmm. that really work best when they're moving together. So it'll be like a, a bamboo reed where you're firmly planted in the ground, but if the wind blows, you're still flexible yeah, enough to kind of go with it everything on the surface, uh, this balance between flexibility and, and strength. And just even, uh, you know, I would just <laughs> read this, this because these, these words that were, um, that you had mentioned that it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's intellectualism, um, with a heart it's, it's justice with mercy. Yeah. Uh, it's not an either or thing. I think that's the, the biggest thing is, is, and it's, you know, again, we, mm-hmm. you know, this Western culture, particularly yeah. in, in the United States, we, we do have this either or thing. And it's, mm-hmm. that works great with team sports. It's either your team's going to win or my team's going to win. You don't, there's aren't too many choices. Um, and, and there will be a winner at the end. And then there's no trophy for second place, mm-hmm. but that's not how this works. That's not, that's not how the, that's a very particular thing. Uh, work, works great for games mm-hmm. and sports, uh, but it doesn't really work in our souls. You know, we have to have This balance and it's finding that balance and knowing that um, that's within us and also this laboratory uh, all the the chemicals that we need to do this are contained so going back to alchemy if you're changing lead to gold you don't you know replace the lead with gold you use the lead and refine it and twist it and burn it and dilute it and all these things release the gold that's already there so this harmony and this yeah so maybe this balance between all these things is already there we have to find that balance point that's our center that's our core and if we have that, then all these opposing things, yeah. not only you work balanced, with the
0: psyche or the soul, went t- you know, between those two things. And that's, that's one, you know, one of the ways that, that you can do that. So great, uh, great point. Uh, we should wrap this up. We're at about an hour. Um, and I think, uh, that is about it for it to us today. Well, one last
1: thing, since this is about the marriage, um, got to talk about the wedding ring. Um, and that is this continuous, like an Ouroboros, it's this continuous, there is no beginning, no end, mm-hmm. tying everything together. And uh, the golden ring, um, you know, of fire, this, this energy that, uh, that connects mm-hmm. those together. So if we're talking about the marriage of the sun and the moon or the head and the heart, you know, this wedding ring, is yeah, this that's, the, that's that
0: mediator it between really the two, isn't it? Wonder. It connects those two halves together yeah. in that circular fashion. Emanuel talked about that in Hermetic Marriage, he talked about how there's sort of a, a broken circuit in essence in this idea and the Hermetic uh, wisdom between these two poles and they're opposite in men and women. And so you've got the, the heart and the sort of head and then you've got the head and the heart and you've got a, that, that golden ring then completes that circuit between the sort of head and heart idea. Um, You know, and that's that's. Yeah.
1: Well, electricity doesn't work. The positive and the negative poles of an electrical there circuit go. Don't work. That's the, that's uh, the key. The so let's is,
0: use is that broken. golden wedding ring and, and unite those two All halves right. and make that that marriage between the sun and the moon, that hermetic marriage within ourselves and find that balance. Uh, so check check out this book it's fantastic and we're going to talk more about this as time goes on because there's so much to unpack in this book the hermetic marriage being a study in the philosophy of the thrice greatest hermes manly p hall thank you for joining us today we appreciate you guys being here and we hope we got you got something out of this and that you get something out of our shows each week Uh, and if you do please support us anchor.fm slash cosmic eye and again check out our books uh, if you can worry you can meditate is my book and The Spirit in the Sky is Chris's book. I'm Jason Napolitano, and I have Chris Sheridan here. Thank you so much, Chris. Have a great week. Be safe out there. Uh, you know, be positive. Keep moving forward. Uh, goodbye, and God bless.